0: Welcome to F1 Coffee Corner Full Beans, the podcast. I'm your host, as always, Terry, and this week's episode is going to take a slightly new and different format to what the previous episodes have taken. Now, if you've been following the podcast, you'll know that episodes one and two were my recap on the 2022 season and what that looked like for the drivers and the teams going forward and what they achieved last year. Now, episode three talks about rival fans and the role that social media, especially programs such as Drive to Survive, platforms like TikTok, and the role that they play on, a topic that's really, really important and a topic that's really close to my heart. But if you follow me on TikTok, you'll know that my channel is about breaking news. Now, I can't bring a breaking news podcast to everybody because by the time I've recorded it, it's out of date, as proven this week, because this is like take 500 But I do want this to be a podcast that talks about the news from a fan's point of view. So I can do headlines and stuff on TikTok. What I can't do is I can't unpick it and give a lot more detail and a lot more thought into it. Because there's not an option to make the videos long enough for that. And there's also people don't want to see that on TikTok. So I want my podcast to be about the latest news in Formula 1 and what it means from the previous week. So it should be relevant. It should be up to date. It might be a little out of date by the time it goes on air. But please bear with me, I am trying my best. So without further ado, let's sit down, strap in, and give this week's episode some full beans. So there is only one thing on people's minds this week, and that is the merry-go-round of Team Principals. It is silly season 2.0. In fact, it's just bonkers. We thought that the drivers were bad, but the Team Principals have taken it to a whole new level. You know, especially the past sort of 15 hours, they've been like, every time you go to record a video or even a podcast, it's out of date. So I imagine by the time this goes on air, it's going to be out of date. So if there's any information here that's out of date, I apologize because I'm trying to do it with the most up-to-date information that I've got available. It's just blimmin' changing by the minute. So I've turned my phone on to do not disturb because every time I try to record something, the notifications tell me that something else has happened. So please bear with me and I hope you enjoy the episode. In terms of where we start, there's only one place we can really start, which is Ferrari. They started Season 2.0 with the announcement that Benotto was resigning from his role as team principal of Ferrari. Now, we all know that he's been pushed. We all know he's been sacked. But after 28 years service, it felt right that he had the option to resign rather than be sacked. But ultimately, he's paid the price for not delivering a title to Maranello especially considering they sacrificed the whole of 2021 to get ready for the new regulation changes. That season is nothing but a disappointment for them, that's for sure. Now, in terms of replacements, we know that this morning Fred Vassar was announced as Benotto's replacement. Now, that's not a surprise to anybody. What's been a surprise is how long it's been taken. But we also know that Ferrari wanted to wait for Benotto to see out his contract before they announced his replacement as a mark of respect. So you've got to appreciate that. But... Fred has been seen in Maranello. He's been seen house hunting. So it was only a matter of time before that announcement was made. And it's now official. Fred Vassa is coming to Ferrari as the team principal. Now, in terms of what that means to Ferrari, they've got someone from outside of Maranello for the first time in a long time heading up their team. They've also got someone that the management team at Ferrari have actually put into place. Remember, Bonotto was actually put into place by the old management team, not the current management team. So his position was always risky. And we also know that the Tofosi, they don't accept second place anyway. So he was always on borrowed time when they're out the championship hunt, net space reality. Fred coming in allows them somebody who's experienced in the team principal role, who's someone who's not blinded by the Maranello way and someone who I think is bold enough to make the calls in terms of the strategy department, in terms of what Ferrari needs going forward and what they're going to need to be championship contenders. I personally feel that Ferrari are the closest to Red Bull in terms of challenging. And I think that Mercedes got too far to catch up on in terms of from where they currently are with the regulations and the cost cap. So I think that if Red Bull's domination that they showed last season is going to be challenged at all, it's going to come from Maranello and Ferrari. So I think Fred Vassar's got a challenge on his hands to do that. But I also think that they've got two drivers who are capable of doing it. And I also think they've got a car capable of doing it if they can iron out the problems they had especially in the second half of last season. So if you remember after the summer break, you'll know that Ferrari turned their engines down because of reliability issues. And they also had issues with the floor when the new regulations came in with the technical directive from Spa onwards. They suffered with that. And they certainly suffered from poor tyre degradation. So the talk from Maranello is that they've addressed those issues and that the chassis and the basis of the car was already there. And by addressing those issues, they feel they've got a competitive car going forward. Now, that coupled with Red Bull's penalties should hopefully see them bridge the gap to Red Bull and make it a more interesting title fight. Like I said, I think Mercedes got too much to challenge Red Bull. I think they might challenge Ferrari in terms of second place, but I think Mercedes uh, stood out of the title fight in terms of a championship winning car. So I think it's up to Ferrari to take that fight to Red Bull themselves. Now, can they do that? It waits to be seen. I mean there was there was huge expectations around the twenty twenty two car and ultimately it fell flat. From what started as early season performance, just generally just kilted out as I discussed in my in my previous podcast. So I think with Fred they're looking at someone who Charles can certainly bond to, someone who the team can have a lot more faith in, a lot more confidence in. I think the team have lost all confidence in the management of Ferrari and they need someone who they can rely on, and Fred ticks that box. Now, in terms of Fred leaving Salber, we know that obviously the VW Group are calling the shots at Salber. now. We know that from the appointments that are being made. So this morning, we saw that Andrea Seidel has been announced as the new CEO of Salber Motorsport, taking over the role that previously Fred held as Team principal and Chief Executive, I believe. So... Andrea Seidel has come in and split that role up so there is still going to be it looks like a team principal role in the Sauber setup. now Seidel we know has experience with Porsche and the VW group so it's no surprise to see him join that project that's for sure and in fact if you look at what Zach Brown said it's not a surprise at all now talk about Zach Brown it looks like Seidel is going to do that exact role with Sauber it looks like he's going in as a chief executive officer and he will then appoint a team principal. So in terms of the team principal role for Salber, I can see there being two clear people in, in the running for that, which is just after he quits Williams role yesterday and Benotto. Now, if we take him one at a time, we know that Benotto has got huge experience. He's got ties with Salber from being their engine supplier in terms of when he was in Ferrari. So he's got close links with them already, which can work in his favour. We know he's keen to return to the sport. And we also know he's got a fantastic engineering experience. Now, if you're a team trying to develop a new engine for 2026, and you've just brought in Sidor, then actually being able to secure Binotto at the same time is a pretty damn good move. And one I can seriously see him exploring if they haven't already done so. And from the other thing I can gather, as part of his severance package from Ferrari, he doesn't have a gardening leave period. Or if he does, it's only six months. So again, that really fits into... Him taking on that role and him being in a position to really support Audi coming in in 2026 and their engine development, as well as steer the ship going forward, as well as keeping those ties with Ferrari, which they're going to need to keep because they're going to keep their engines till 2025. So, you know, Bonotto seems like he's an odds-on favourite. But then Williams dropped the bombshell yesterday that Josh quit his team principal role as well. Now, if you go back to the statement from Williams yesterday, they talked about Joss putting his retirement on hold to be their team principal but if you look at the actual wording of the statement it doesn't actually say that Joss has gone into retirement it just says that he's left his role as well as the technical director left their role now if Joss was retiring you would have thought that would have been mentioned in the statement and you also would have thought that they would have had a replacement already lined up Bearing in mind how fast the news has travelled, certainly today, on team principles and all their replacements being in place. So the fact that Williams haven't made an announcement makes me think that Joss and him leaving is actually a bit of a shock to them and not when they were expecting. Now, we remain to be seen whether or not he's actually genuinely retired or whether or not he's actually going to join the VW Salber project that's going on he's got close links as I said he's been head of the motorsport for VW he knows them inside out he's worked with Seidel before he knows Formula One so if they can't get Benotto, I think that Joss is a good full guy in terms of a backup plan for him so I fully expect to see one of those two being appointed as the team principal to work alongside Seidel that's for sure now when we look at Williams because we take Williams next before we take on McLaren But if we look at Williams, now, Williams don't look like they've got a team principal lined up at all. It looks like it's took them a bit by surprise, that announcement yesterday with Jost, because there's no noise coming out from who is going to be the Williams team principal. And if I'm honest, I'm sat here racking my brain thinking who is going to Williams. There doesn't seem like an obvious choice. Now, whether or not that someone returns to the sport or whether or not Williams have got someone inside who they can promote up remains to be seen. But... I certainly can't see off the top of my head who's going to go into that role. Um, the rumour mill is in full swing, but I, I'm not taking any of them seriously at the moment because none of them make sense. You know, I heard one about Susie Wolf coming in. Now, even though that fits from a Mercedes-Benz engine support point of view, Susie's already previously said that she doesn't want to go head-to-head with Toto. She likes the fact that they've got their family life together. Toto himself has been pulling back from races. With 23 races, he feels is too much. So I can't see them being team principals with two opposing teams, especially with the family being based out of Monte Carlo and Williams being based in Oxford. So I don't see that's got many legs, if I'm honest. We've also heard around Paddy Lowe being being chucked in the mix. But again, Paddy Lowe left Williams on terrible ground. So I, that, to me, is just bullshit. Excuse my French. I can't see Paddy Lowe taking that, that role at all. Yeah, it remains to be seen who Williams have got lined up. And whether or not, they're going outside of the company. Of course, money's not a problem for Williams anymore. They are financially secure now. Gone in the days when they were worried about the the pay drivers, like with Latifi. The cost cap has helped them. And since venture capitalists have taken over, that certainly helps stabilise them a lot more. So I wouldn't be surprised to see a good name coming for Williams. I just, at the moment, don't know who that is. And I can't really think of who would make that move. But if I'm honest, the way this season's going with team principals, I wouldn't rule anything out we just wait and see on that one now obviously that brings us to McLaren now McLaren were the ones who've been caught a bit by surprise with Seidel leaving there was no talk of that Seidel had a really good relationship with McLaren and despite having a poor season he didn't look like he was under any threat from Zap Brown whatsoever and in fact Seidel was instrumental in bringing Oscar Piastri to the team with his partnership and his relationship with Mark Webber Oscar's manager so I think it's really caught him on the hop. I know Zach Brown's been given a press conference today in terms of going into more details about what that looked like and how he couldn't stand in his way. And I think obviously for, you know, for Seidel, it's a move that sees him almost promoted as the CEO of a group and going back to VW and one that he's excited about. And it looks like Zach just hasn't stopped and stepped in his way, that's for sure. Now, in terms of the replacement, we know that Stella's coming in as his replacement at McLaren. Now, McLaren have already said they don't see the need to make many sweeping changes. So I think this is business as usual for McLaren. I think that it's an important season for them with Oscar's coming on board to replace Danny. And I also think it's important for them in terms of Lando and his contract with the team. We know Lando's got a, a long-term contract. We know that Lando is itching for a win. And we also know that McLaren needs to be able to give him a car that's competitive. Otherwise, he's going to be looking to either break that contract or he certainly won't be signing when that contract comes about. So I think that this is a really important season. I think Oscar needs to perform because if Oscar doesn't perform for McLaren, then actually they're going to look a bit silly getting rid of Danny. And it could just be that Lando was massively overperforming. Yeah, McLaren are an unknown quantity. Is Lando overperforming in that McLaren? and Danny was underperforming or is that McLaren actually a decent car and with two drivers they can really push on up so it is crucial for them it is make or break for them but in terms of the running of the team I don't see much changing at all with with Stella coming on board and you know that is in a nutshell in a sort of 10 minute whirlwind the craziest 15 hours of team principal roles I don't think I've missed anyone but when you look at now, you've got Otmar, who's now one of the longest-serving team principals after being with Alpine for only about nine months. <laughs> you know, that gives you, that gives you an indication to how crazy the past 24 hours has been. Now, the only other bit of news that's really important in the past week is engine news. Now, with regards to engines, we know that in 2026, with the new regulations, we know that Audi are coming on board, and we also know that Red Bull powertrains are fully coming on board. As well as all the other teams but what did take us as a curveball this week was the announcement from honda now honda before the deadline of the 15th 16th of november i believe it was have signed to take up the option to be an engine supplier in 2023 now i know what you're sat there thinking you're thinking but terry honda never left yeah honda still make the engines for red bull and You could, well, you could well be right thinking that because at the moment we don't really know who's making the engines from Red Bull. Now, Red Bull are claiming that the engines are made by Red Bull Powertrains with IP support from Honda. But if you look at all of the um, marketing, if you look at certainly since the Japanese Grand Prix, the branding is certainly coming back to Honda. So I suppose it does lead a chain of thought of who is making those engines. And if Honda are now in the hunt for a 2026 Come back as such. I say come back, but they haven't really left. But if they are coming back in 2026, are they coming back as a standalone engine manufacturer? Or are they looking to go into partnership with someone like Red Bull as they previously done? Now, they've been quite open about it in the sense of they said they don't know what it looks like yet. They don't know whether or not it is, you know, we're gonna come as a standalone or we're gonna come as a partnership. We're exploring all of the options and by taking the option of being a preferred engine supplier of 2026 it allows them to do the feasibility on it and to see if there is a call for a comeback we know that the regulation changes fits with honda's viewpoint going forward in terms of being more environmentally friendly it's something that the fia did to open it up for the vw group coming in as well so we know that it fits from that side of things so it's now just a case of does it fit from a honda point of view to be coming back to formula one and if so does a partnership with red bull powertrains look a better option or does an engine manufacturer supplying a different team is that the better option for them now if they do come back as an engine supplier to red bull powertrains this is going to cause absolute monumental problems with the paddock the engine suppliers the top engine suppliers so your ferraris and your mercedes are going to be absolutely few into lightly. We all know that the engine freeze was put into place because Honda pulled out. So Honda pulled out, left Red Bull high and dry with no engines. Mercedes and Ferrari said, We ain't giving you an engine. And you know, Red Bull I wouldn't say strong arms, strong arms wrong word, but Red Bull certainly flexed their muscle as a big team in Formula One to the FIA to put this engine freeze in place and to allow them to create Red Bull powertrains. So if this now goes complete 360 and honda come back to formula one and come back with red bull ferrari and mercedes are going to be fuming about it because ultimately red bull powertrains is officially a new engine supplier which means they get increased dyno time they get increased budget in terms of the cost budget for a new engine which is a separate cost budget to the normal cost cap budget just to confuse everybody so they've got increased money for that because they're they're new so they have to play catch up and if now red bull team up with honda and honda come back in the argument is surely going to be how much of this is a new engine and how much of it is just a continuation of the old engine and how can we honestly say that red bull Powertrains is a new engine supplier because i don't think you can so it's going to be really interesting to see how this one unfolds and whether or not it is a partnership deal with red bull or whether or not it's honda they're just putting it out there because they want to and they're going to pull out or whether or not they're going to supply a different team. We wait and see. But it does make interesting interesting times ahead for engine suppliers. Now, in terms of engine suppliers, we know that Toto has talked about Mercedes potentially dropping a team as well. So, whether or not that's going to happen before 2026 remains to be seen. But Mercedes currently supply Aston Martin, McLaren, themselves and, of course, Williams. Now, Toto said that's too many teams. He's already said that he would like to supply less teams than what he's currently doing. And it stretches... It stretches the factory and the team far too much. We know that Mercedes have built a bulletproof reliability engine, but we also know that that engine has been either turned down or is certainly slower than what previous engines have been for Mercedes. So last season was a blip for them in terms of the engine performance. But then we also saw that when the engine was turned up, like it was in the Williams a few times, that actually it's got some really good straight line speed. I fully expect with the engine freeze, that Mercedes will produce a more competitive engine going forward. Um... Mercedes don't seem too bothered about the engine. It seemed like they went for reliability first, and then they're going to go for performance in terms of turning it up. So I think first and foremost, they knew that by producing a reliable engine with the changing in fuels and with the engine freeze coming into place, that would help them get points and podiums, which ultimately it did. So now it's about extracting performance from that over this season and the following season as well. So expect some more performance gains and a higher HP output from Mercedes engines, that's for sure, going forward. But they have said they would like to drop a team. Now, in terms of dropping a team, we know that Alpine want to pick up a team. Now, Alpine haven't got any customer engines at all, and they suffered catastrophic reliability last season. You know, Alonso was in his GP2 engine blowing up all the time. And we know that Alpine have suggested that they would like to pick up a team to supply a customer engine to, so they can gather more feedback on the engine, which is something they're struggling with. They don't need to do it from a financial point of view. They don't need to do it from a standpoint. They just would like to be able to supply somebody else. And I suppose with Audi coming in, they're looking at an option to potentially supply a team, maybe like Williams, maybe getting the Williams-Alpine-Williams-Renault partnership back together. And I think that Williams would be open to that. Now, I don't know how keen teams are going to be changing your engine supply so close to 2026. So we might have to wait a bit for that one. But Toto has certainly said he's happy to lose a team. And I know Alpine are happy to pick up a team. Now, you'd assume that Red Bull powertrains are going to supply themselves and Alfa So that would leave Sauber being supplied by VW, obviously. And Ferrari will obviously supply themselves and Haas. So we know that there's room for Williams to negotiate their engine supplier for 2026. We know that their contract with Mercedes is due to end anyway. But I also think that Toto would be happy to end that relationship anyway. Um, he's got really good ties with Williams from his times there. And obviously when he used to be a shareholder so I don't think there's any doubt that if Williams comes to in to sever that engine deal I think Mercedes would be happy for that to play out so that in a nutshell is what's been happening in terms of the formula one whirlwind now a couple of other newsworthy stories which have come about are the Chinese Grand Prix has obviously been cancelled if you haven't already seen so now China's been struggling with the coronavirus and its coronavirus laws that they got in place And they've been missing for the past couple of seasons now. And the future of the Chinese Grand Prix has got to be in doubt. But they announced um, about a week or two weeks ago, certainly, that they were cancelling the Grand Prix. Now, there was talk that we were going to go to Portugal. There was talk that we were going to go even to Turkey. But the FIA have ratified the calendar without a race in place of China. So a 23-race calendar has come into play. Now, I think the teams have had a lot of saying that. A lot of teams have been saying that 24 races is a long time and they wanted to see less so i do think they've played a part in making sure that that race didn't get replaced as well as the logistics behind coming from sort of bahrain australia coming back to europe and then going back out to azerbaijan it was in the end so so yeah so the calendar didn't really favor a european race either so we're gonna have a spring break we're gonna have a bit of a break after i think it's australia uh three weeks And then we're going to get going again with Azerbaijan and Baku. So in terms of other news from the FIA World Sports Council meeting, the regulations that were voted on and put through are the controversial front wing from Mercedes has been banned. So that's one we saw in the USA Grand Prix that didn't run with the fins on the front. And we also know that the rear wing from Aston Martin that they run, that's also been banned as well. So those were inside of the rules as such for last season. But in the the rules, they seem to be unsporting. So they've now been banned for the following season. In terms of the other rules that got voted on, there was some safety updates to the roll Canopy after Joe's accident at Silverstone and just making that a bit more safer. The FIA have done a settlement with the creator of the Halo an out-of-court settlement because there was some talk on um, patent infringement. But the FIA president has confirmed that actually... That's been all settled now and there is no no problem with the future of the Halo and Formula 1. It's all been sorted, which is great because ultimately the Halo has saved numerous lives and is really important for the future of Formula 1. So I'm glad they've actually managed to sort that one out. And the only other sort of newsworthy bit coming out of the World Sports Motor Council meeting is that the vaccination rules on COVID have now been lifted for next season, which means for all of the Nicker Rosberg fans who have missed him, and been watching him from his room in Monaco via some dodgy Skype you know, connection, he's now allowed back in the paddock from next year. So providing Sky or somebody else still obviously have him employed, we will be seeing um, nicka Rosberg back in a Formula 1 paddock next season, which, you know, depending on your personal view of him, is, is good and bad. But yeah, expect to see a lot more of Rosberg back in the paddock for sure since the COVID vaccination restrictions have been lifted. And to just finish off, I just wanted to talk about the FIA prize giving gala because I've seen quite a few TikToks on this for various reasons. So first and foremost, let's talk about the exchange between the FIA president and Christian Horner because that was car crash TV. That was absolutely terrible. Now, if you remember, you'll see that Christian Horner was presented with the constructor trophy and it was terrible. Oh my word, you just hid behind your phone. There was some exchange going on about how the trophy was including the cost cap, on how, you know, back in Japan, the FIA were only enforcing the rules that the teams implemented. It just made absolutely no sense. It looked like the FIA president had been drinking at Kimi Ryken's table before he went and gave the award to Christian, if I'm honest. oh, just If you get a chance, just go and listen to it. It's, It's about four minutes long. It's certainly on my TikTok channel. It's on other social media. But just listen to the exchange between the FIA president and Christian Horner. It was being live streamed for the first time by TikTok, um, by FIA, sorry, on TikTok Live. And they're probably wishing they got banned after seeing that because it was terrible. It's a terrible exchange. It makes no sense. It goes to show the friction between certainly Red Bull and the FIA. And I think the FIA in general have got friction with the top teams at the moment. And Formula One seems to be standing off in terms of liberty. They've not gotten involved in the cost cap saga. they have not really getting involved in a lot. They're just taking a step back and almost letting the FIA dictate things. But in turn, it looks like the FIA are creating bad blood between the top teams and themselves. So it'd be interesting to see how that plays out next season. And we've had the controversy with the race directors. We've had the cost cap saga. We've had so many things going on with the FIA being inconsistent with their decisions this year. They've got some real bridge building to do and they really need to get on with building it, otherwise they're going to be in trouble with the top teams. So we won't see how that plays out, but if you get a chance, go and listen to it. I suppose the other thing I want to touch on with the FIA Prize-given gala is around drivers missing. Now, there's been a lot of talk over, you know, people like Lewis Hamilton was missing, even though he, he won the Fans Award that he was given for the Best British Driver, I think it was. um, No, it wasn't that one. So that was a Motorsport Award that he also didn't go to. The one from the FAA Prize-given was for the Best Maneuver for Silverstone, where he went through. And there's been a bit of a, a bit of a sort of, you know, a bit of a moan that he wasn't at the FIA prize-given ceremony. Now, he obviously missed last year. We know the reasons why he missed last year. He was fine for it, and he explained the reasons why. He didn't feel that he was in the right headspace to go and do that. Now, with regards to this year, you're only actually invited if you've either won an award, which obviously Lewis did, or you're in the top three. Apart from that, you don't see a lot of the other drivers going. So, I don't think we should read too much into Lewis Hamilton missing the FIA prize-given ceremony at all it's clear he doesn't like them anyway, I mean, I suppose it comes across as arrogant, he should have been there to collect his award, but ultimately he didn't want to be there, and for him, I suppose a Maneuver Award isn't the best award for him, personally, so I can't see him just making a special effort for that, and he obviously added the plan, so we read into that what you want, is it arrogance? I don't know, Maybe maybe part of his image problem is that he does things like this which can be portrayed either way, so I don't think he helps himself with these sort of things. And he probably should have been there. But ultimately, he wasn't. There was a lot of other drivers that were missing as well. So in terms of roundup, that concludes the weekly roundup for Formula 1 news. It's been a whirlwind week. It's been a week of non-stop news stories, breaking news. It's been tough to keep up with it. I hope that when this goes out, it's factually correct. If it's not, I apologise. Now, in terms of the podcast, I really hope you like this. And if you do get a chance and you've got the opportunity... Please, if you could either like, rate, leave a review, whatever it is that you're listening on lets you do, I would really appreciate it. There's been some people who've already left reviews and it's great to see that feedback. Over 90 people have listened to the podcast so far over episodes one, two, and three. It's been really good since it's been well-received and such positive comments coming back because I really appreciate it. I've said before, ultimately, this is just me in my kitchen with a cup of coffee talking about Formula One in hopefully a way that you as a fan can relate to in a way that's not censored by any team or any sort of thinking, in a way that hopefully gives you a broader insight into the news of Formula 1 and the rules of the Formula 1 paddock. So really appreciate your time for listening. Really hope you've enjoyed the episode. Really hope you've enjoyed the change in the format and hopefully that you enjoy the format going forward. And until next week, have a great week. I'll speak to you soon.